We're in Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 54 this morning, as we read just a few moments ago. And this is a passage of Scripture in which God tells us, I've given you two eyes, and I've given you two ears, and I've given you a brain. Use them. I, I, I mean, some, some folks will maliciously say things like, well, you church people, you say you should check your brain at the door or check your mind at the door when you walk in. You just believe things blind faith. No rhyme or reason or sense to what you think or what you do. Well, this scripture argues against that. This passage of scripture we're looking at this morning, in fact, says that we as believers in Christ should be first and foremost among those who use the eyes God has given us, the ears he has given us, and the mind that he's given us. In fact, we who actually believe and have faith in Christ have done that, whereas others refuse to do so. That's what this passage says here this morning. Jesus is talking to a group of people who refuse to believe that he is the long-expected Messiah. And he says to them, he says, you can read the clouds and you know when a storm is coming. You can read that. He says, when you see, in verse 54, he says, when you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. Now, that, that little phrase, when you see, simply means to tell or read the significance of. He says, you can tell, you can read the significance of the clouds, and yet you cannot read the significance of the times in which you live which demonstrate very clearly both my ministry, my preaching, and everything that I am, that I am the Messiah. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, He is the Messiah, and you have refused to read it. You have refused to see what is obvious right before you, as obvious as the clouds in the sky that you read, which tell you that a shower is coming. You know, it is possible for a person to contend that a poem is nothing but black marks on a white piece of paper. It's possible to do that. And such an argument might be convincing before an audience who could not read. You can examine the print under a microscope or analyze the paper and ink, but you will never find something behind this sort of analysis that you could call a poem. However, those who can read will continue to insist that a poem exists. Do you get that illustration? You could take a poem and you could contend it's just black marks on a white sheet of paper until you read, until you come to the place that you can or will read. You can analyze that piece of paper under a microscope. You can do all kinds of scientific tests upon it. You'll never discover it is a poem until you come to the place that you read it. And those who can read and will read will always insist that a poem exists. You see, we as believers in Christ have used our eyes. We have used the two ears God has given us. We've used the brain that God put right up in here. We have listened to the Spirit's call upon our heart. We have listened to the testimony of God's Holy Spirit. You know, you're not just flesh. You have a spirit, and God's Spirit has has spoken to our own spirit. He has testified to our own spirit that the things we see and the things we hear, the things that we have conscious ability to understand are true about God and His Son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, we believe. We have read the signs 
And we have come to the conclusion the poem exists. We have come to the conclusion that God exists. And Jesus Christ is his son. We're the ones using our brain. And we're the ones listening to the Spirit's call. Jesus is telling this group of people here, he says, you can read the sky, but you have chosen not to read the signs of the times. And because they have chosen not to read the signs of the times and his ministry and listen to his preaching in light of the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah, he says, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. You're a bunch of hypocrites. A hypocrite is somebody who sees the truth, the obvious truth, but acts as though it doesn't exist. They reject it. He says, you've seen the truth, but you act as though you don't know the truth. You act as though what is true and what you know is true in your heart is not the truth. And so you have become hypocrites because you have rejected what is true. You have become stage actors. You have become people who are just acting a part. That's what actors do, don't they? They just act a part. It's not real. It's not true. They're not who they play on TV. You, you know that, right? It's like the fellow says, uh, you know, I play a doctor on TV. But some folks, when you know, they see him in a restaurant, they say, my back has been aching, and I just wonder what you think about this. Can't differentiate between the two. They're just actors. And Jesus is saying, you're just a bunch of actors playing a part. It's not true. It's not real. Your life is no longer based in reality or what is true. You have just chosen to reject all of that and to live a lie. And you know what? God has made his existence very real to us in this day and age too. Some folks will say, well, if I just had Jesus, if I just had Jesus walking here with me, if I could just sit down to lunch with Jesus the way that that some of these fellows did, the way that, 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 that uh, Nicodemus had his meeting with Jesus at night and the way that, that uh, Matthew had his dinner with him and with all of his buddies, the tax collector fella and Zacchaeus had Jesus in his home to a meal. If I could just sit down with Jesus for a few minutes, I probably could be convinced to believe that he is the Messiah. But you know, we have as much or even more evidence than what they had in this day. We have the written word of God. We have the testimony of the life of Christ and we have the active ministry of the Holy Spirit of the living God convicting us of what is true. God has given us two eyes, two ears and a brain. He's given us a great expanse, a great, incredible, majestic creation and all of his beauty and wonder and glory which testify to his power and his strength and his character. God has given us in his word so many prophecies which Jesus fulfilled which testified to the truth that Jesus is God's Son and our Messiah. And that in and of itself is an amazing thing. You know, and I just want to throw some stats out here to you to just kind of put things in perspective. But do you know that, that and I'm just going to read these to you, the odds of being injured by a lightning strike on any given day is 1 in 250 million. But... Over the average lifetime, the odds are 1 in 9,100. Did you know that? I like my odds on any given day, right? More than that. But in contrast, the odds that the average citizen of Washington, D.C. will be plugged, stabbed, poisoned, or bludgeoned to death in the course of a year are only 1 in 1,681. 
A number of years ago, Peter Stoner, a scholar named Peter Stoner and, and Robert Newman wrote a book entitled Science Speaks. The book was based on the science of probability. It set out the odds of any one man in all of history fulfilling even only eight of the 60 major prophecies. And listen, there were 456 major prophecies and characteristics about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled all of them. But out of the 60 major ones, they set out to, to discover and to, and to come to the conclusion of what the odds were of fulfilling just eight of the major prophecies concerning the life of the Messiah. The probability that Jesus of Nazareth could have fulfilled even eight such prophecies would be one in ten to the 17th power for just eight of those. Just eight of them. One in ten to the 17th power. Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies, major and minor, about himself. To deny the obvious is to be a hypocrite. God has left us with all of creation. He has left us with a consciousness. He has left us with his Holy Spirit. He has left us with the evidence of the scriptures. Six, seven hundred years before the birth of Christ, it was prophesied 400 and some odd uh, 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 prophecies about him, and he fulfilled every one of them. Some going back more than six and seven hundred years, from where he would be born to the fact that he would be born of a virgin. There's so many other things, including how he would die. Now, some of those things you might say, well, he just read that and fulfilled it in himself. You might be able to point to one or two of those things that you think he might have done that, but you did not choose where you were born. And I dare say you're not going to choose how you die, most of See, there are so many different things in here, and that is the testimony of God to the truth, an undeniable truth. And to deny the truth, to reject this, is to become a hypocrite. And Jesus says to these folks here, as we go on and walk through the passage of Scripture, He says, judge. If we look here, Jesus said, when you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower, and you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather. Signs of the earth and sky, but don't know how to interpret the times. Now, he, they actually did. He's, he, he's just saying you don't. You won't interpret the signs of the times. And he says, why can't you or why won't you decide for yourselves what is right? Why won't you judge for yourselves? Ever thought about that question? All of the evidence that we have concerning the existence of God and the fact that Jesus Christ is his son... Why do people reject? Now, there are a variety of reasons why folks may reject Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their life. But first and foremost is the same reason these folks rejected Christ in his day, and that is just a simple word, pride. You know what the expectation was in the day of Jesus? That the coming Messiah would be a military and political ruler. And because Jesus did not meet their own personal expectations of what a Messiah would be, which really were outside of Scripture. They had a misunderstanding of the first and second coming of the Messiah. They wanted desperately for him to come and be a military and political ruler to rescue them from Roman occupation. So they were looking for that. That's what they expected. That's really what they demanded. Even though there were plenty of prophecies about the suffering servant that Jesus was in his first advent, they rejected those outright as being what, what was to be. They expected, wanted, and craved for a military and political ruler who would rescue them from Rome. And Jesus was not that. 
And because Jesus was not those things, because he was not a military or political ruler, they rejected him outright as the Messiah. Their pride. Jesus needed to be what I wanted him to be. I know what the Messiah is supposed to be. I know what he's going to, to become and what he's going to be when he comes here on the earth. He needs to meet my expectations. My expectations have not been met. He can't be the one. You know, there are a lot of folks who put God in a box and have expectations about God. And they base their ideas of who God is on their subjective opinions and wants and desires. And so they create a God who's a cosmic Santa Claus. Or they create a God who is at their beck and call. They create a God who is a God of just willy-nilly, whatever goes. He's no longer a God of justice. He's no longer a God of genuine love because he's just a God who lets anything and everything go. In the end, everyone makes it. God is love. But you know, Scripture is very clear on the identity of God. There is a thing called objective truth. We don't get to paint the picture for ourselves. But because people want to paint the picture of who God is for themselves, they reject the truth of who He actually is because of just this thing called pride. We want to be our own God or we want to make God in our own image of what we think He should be. That's what these folks were doing. Jesus said, why don't you judge? Why don't you make a decision for yourselves? The answer was obvious. Because they had refused to read the signs. They had refused to see that he was who he says and who he says that he was. You know, you look at this passage of scripture, it's a very simple one. It's not a long sermon today, okay? Don't check out now that I said that, all right? It's not a complicated sermon. It's really not. It's just a very simple thing. Jesus says, you see the signs of the times. You can read the weather. You see what's going on around you. Why can't you interpret the signs the way you do the weather? How foolish would it be for us to look at a darkened sky and say it's going to be sunshine today because I want it to be sunshine today. Because I demand it to be sunshine today. To ignore all the evidence thereof that it is going to rain. And yet... Something much more valuable than our day and what we do and whether we have the opportunity to go outside and play is at stake here. Our very soul, the soul of our brothers and sisters, the soul of our friends and family who look at the evidence that God exists, look at the evidence that Jesus is His Son who came to save us and they reject it outright because they in their mind have decided that they have a better understanding or something that they want to be true of who God is, a God that just lets them do anything they want to do, act any way they want to act with no repercussions, no accountability whatsoever, and no judgment to come. But Jesus says in this passage of Scripture, there is a judgment to come, there is a day of reckoning, and you need to make a personal decision on what you believe about me or the day is going to come when you will be held to account for your Debt, and that debt in our case is sin. For the wages of sin is death. You see, there's coming a day when there's an accounting, when there's a reckoning. And you will pay for your sins if you have not had faith in the cross of Christ to pay for them on your account. That's what it's all about. 
And we all have folks in our life who have decided that Christianity is just one among many ways because they look at so many different religions in the world and they say this just must be the case. It must be just one among many ways. And they want it to be that way because there's no accountability to make a decision. We know folks who just outright reject the existence of God again because they want no accountability for who they are. They want to be their own God. But as I said just a moment ago, the odds are astronomical. You didn't just come into being. I want to read you one more thing about statistics here this morning. As I mentioned moments ago, there are 456 major prophecies or characteristics about the Messiah in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled them all according to his first coming. The odds of Christ filling eight, as we said earlier, would be ten followed by seventeen zeros. The extremely conservative estimate that the probability of 48 prophecies being fulfilled in one person is the incredible number 10 to the 157th power. 10 followed by 157 zeros. Scientists say that once you go past 10 to the 50th power, you have, you have gone beyond what could statistically ever be considered even possible. Once you go beyond 10 to the 50th power, you've gone beyond anything that could statistically be considered possible. But for Jesus just to fulfill the 48 of the 456 prophecies and characteristics of the Messiah would be 10 to the 157th power. As one scientist said, scientists who put these statistics together said, any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. That's what scientists said who put these statistics together. He said, any man, woman who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. Now who's using their brain now? I mean, who is using their eyes God gave them, the ears God gave them, and the brain that God gave them? This is an objective fact. God exists. An objective fact that Jesus Christ is His Son who came to save us from our sins. And that leaves you and me and everyone we know with a very important decision to judge for themselves the objective facts and to entrust their life to what Christ has done to save them. When we go to talk to folks about who Christ is, we go to talk to them with facts in hand, not just feelings and not just a testimony as important as our testimony is. Our testimony is invaluable to what Christ has done in our life. Don't get me wrong. But we go to them with facts in hand. Look at the creation. Look at the created order. How did all this come to be? How do we know there's a builder of this building? Because there's a building here. We know God exists. How do you know God exists? Well, you exist, right? How did you get here? You have consciousness. This, this podium exists here, but it doesn't know it's here. I know I'm here. That must mean something. All right? So I know that I exist. God created me and gave me that ability to know I exist. I have consciousness. These are all evidence of the existence of God, and I could go on and on and on. But then we come to the, the uniqueness and the claims of exclusivity in, on the part of Christianity, 
and we say, Jesus is God's son. They say, well, how do you know Jesus is God's son? You know, the Muslims say that Jesus is just a prophet. Others say he's just a good teacher. How do you know he's God's son, savior of the world? Well, I look at the prophecies. I know Isaiah lived about 600 or so years before Christ, six, 700 years before Christ. I know that, that we have prophecies in his book concerning who Jesus is that Jesus fulfilled. He'd be born of a virgin. We've got prophecies in other places that are hundreds of years before the birth of Christ say he'd be born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem. You want to look at Isaiah 53, you see something of the suffering servant story of how he died. Go read Psalm 22, which was written about a thousand years before the birth of Christ. And you see prophecy on the part of King David concerning how the Messiah would die. Right down to the fact that they would cast lots for his clothes, which they did at the foot of the cross. How do we know Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Because he fulfilled the prophecies concerning the coming Messiah to a T. And statistically, it is impossible for it to be anything other than an act of God. For him to be anybody other than who the prophets claimed he would be. Listen, these are objective truths that we share with folks as we testify to the truth that God exists, Christianity is true, Jesus is his son, and he came to save you. And now it's time to judge for yourself. And as we close today, I just want to say, Two things. One, if you have never come to the place where you have actually believed this is true and given your life to Jesus Christ so that you might have a relationship with God, I want to encourage you this morning, today is the day to come to the cross. Jesus came to die on a cross. He is God who came to earth. He lived and shed his blood. Didn't have to, but did because of love for us. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He took our punishment upon himself. On that cross, he suffered a physical death. But more than that, he suffered a separation from God the Father. Something that is beyond our comprehension. As he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Is because he had experienced for the first time in eternity past a disruption of fellowship with the Father in that moment. He endured for us separation from God so that we need not endure separation from him ourselves. Jesus died for our sins to pay all of the ramifications and all of the cost of what they would bring to us. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ and his payment for your sins and believe that he's the son of God, if you've never really genuinely believed that and entrusted yourself to that truth by praying and saying, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I give my life to you. I choose to follow you. If you've never done that, then this morning is the day to do it. This morning's the day. So many of us have done that who are sitting here this morning. And I don't care how many times you've come here, how long you've attended here. If you never have genuinely given your heart to Jesus Christ, today is the day. But for those that have given their heart to Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you as well. Sometimes we as believers kind of become bashful. We become scared, nervous, unsure, insecure when it comes to sharing what we believe. But let me tell you something. We should be bold as lions. 
because the truth is on our side. See, they may want to ridicule us. They're just hypocrites. Just like these folks in Jesus' day. They refuse to read. They're like the folks who look at the poem and say, poetry does not exist. Yet it's there on the paper if they would just read the poem. The truth is on our side. And we should be bold as lions. And we should be hungry to share what Christ has done for us. We should be passionate that they might know the truth and be set free from sin. Not just saved from the fires of hell, but also be saved unto eternal life. An abundant, good life, quality of life, which exists for those who place faith in Christ. And the facts are on our side. And what I want to challenge you with today is who in your life do you know has not yet judged for themselves who Christ is? And in the midst of that challenge, I want to ask you, would you be willing to pray for them to know Christ on a regular basis? Would you be willing to speak to them about who Jesus is? Would you be willing to share the facts concerning who Jesus is? And would you be willing to challenge them to judge for themselves? Now, how many of you folks heard of something called tough love? Tough love is, is tough, isn't it? The reason they call it tough love is because it's a love you don't really want to give, right? It's a hard kind of love to express towards another person. But we all need tough love sometimes, don't we? We all need it. And, and we all need to express tough love sometimes. And you know what? I dare say every person in this room has a friend or family member that we need to show some tough love towards when it comes to this, when it comes to Christ. Folks that may profess Christ with their mouth but not really believe in their heart who have shown absolutely no demonstration of a changed life or relationship with Jesus. Folks in our world and in our life who just believe Jesus is one among many ways and we just kind of shrug it off and let them believe what they believe because we don't want conflict in our life. Whatever the case may be, whatever the situation is, we know people in our life that we need to demonstrate and express tough love to. And so what I'm really challenging you to this morning as believers in Christ is, yes, that we would pray. And yes, that we would share. Yes, that we would just love them unconditionally. But would we show them some tough love? Would we call them to account? Would we tell them, listen, this is not a, a question you can just put off indefinitely. This is a matter you must decide in your life while you're still drawing bread. Because Jesus is very clear here. If you refuse to make a decision... If you refuse to judge for yourself, there's going to come a day when the magistrate's going to take you to the judge and you're going to pay every penny. You're going to pay for your every sin, everything that is owed, which, as Scripture points out to us, very clearly means an eternity separated from God. Never have the opportunity to have it again. You see, we need to be willing, bold as lines. The truth is on our side. The objective facts are there. We know Jesus is the Messiah. We can point to the prophecies. We can point to the statistics. We can point to the creation. We need to go to them with this. We need to go to them with love. Go to them with our testimony. Go to them prayerfully. But then show the tough love to say, listen, judge for yourself. We have to call them to decision. There are too many believers today who are just walking through life saying, I'm going to lead people to Christ by the way I act and all my good works. But let me tell you something. It may show something of Christ in you, but in order for them to accept Christ, they have to be called to receive Christ. You have to open your mouth. 
some of the hardest, most difficult conversations that I've ever had in my life are those moments when I've had to call people to judge for themselves who Christ is. People who would say that they are saved but were not saved, who were playing games with their eternity, trying to scoot through life, calling themselves Christians, calling themselves believers, who really genuinely had no faith or relationship with Jesus Christ. And then those folks who just outright reject Christ. I've had to say, listen, there is an accounting for your rejection. There will be a day when you will be held account for this. Is this really the decision you want to make? Are you really certain in your heart that your answer is no? Are you really certain in your heart you want to play the part of hypocrite? Are you really certain in your heart that you want to close your eyes to the evidence and bury your head in the sand? so that you can continue to live whatever way you're living, however you want. Is that really the decision that you want to make? Is this really your day of judgment? Is this really where you want to leave it? That you want to say no and reject the truths, the evidence. God exists. Jesus is His Son. And He came to save. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know Him? If you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord of your life, are you telling others? Are you bold? Are you courageous? Do you walk into the room knowing the facts are on your side? Do you walk into the room knowing that it's a life and death eternally? So, life and death decision that people all around us are making every day as they judge for themselves who Christ is. Please come to Jesus if you don't know Him. And if you're not sure that you know Him, please come to Jesus today. Please judge for yourself this day who Jesus is. Please don't put it off. Please don't take a chance with another 24 hours of life. Don't gamble that you'll have another day to make a decision. Don't do it. If you're unsure, if you've played games, if you've skirted the issue, if you've put it off, if you know Jesus has not made a genuine change in your life and you're unsure of whether you really know Him, please receive Jesus Christ today. Don't leave here until you know. Let's bow.